Chapter Eight of The Unbearable Bassington by Saki. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was a fresh, rain repentant afternoon, following a morning that had been sultry and torrentially wet by turns the sort of afternoon that impels people to talk graciously of the rain as having done a lot of good its chief merit in their eyes probably having been its recognition of the art of moderation also it was an afternoon that invited bodily activity after the convalescent languor of the earlier part of the day elaine had instinctively found her way into her riding habit and sent an order down to the stables a blessed oasis that still smelt sweetly of horse and hay and cleanliness in a world that reeked of petrol and now she set her mare at a smart pace through a succession of long stretching country lanes she was due some time that afternoon at a garden party but she rode with determination in an opposite direction in the first place neither comus nor courtney would be at the party which fact seemed to remove any valid reason that could be thought of for inviting her attendance thereat in the second place about a hundred human beings would be gathered there and human gatherings were not her most crying need at the present moment since her last encounter with her wooers under the cedars in her own garden elaine realized that she was either very happy or cruelly unhappy she could not quite determine which she seemed to have what she most wanted in the world lying at her feet and she was dreadfully uncertain in her more reflective moments whether she really wanted to stretch out her hand and take it it was all very like some situation in an arabian knight's tale or a story of pagan hellas and consequently the more puzzling and disconcerting to a girl brought up on the methodical lines of victorian christianity her appeal court was in permanent session these last few days but it gave no decisions at least none that she would listen to and the ride on her fast light-stepping little mare alone and unattended through the fresh-smelling leafy lanes into unexplored country seemed just what she wanted at the moment the mare made some small delicate pretense of being road-shy not the staring dolt-like kind of nervousness that shows itself in an irritating hanging back as each conspicuous wayside object presents itself but the nerve flutter of an imaginative animal that merely results in a quick whisk of the head and a swifter bound forward she might have paraphrased the mental attitude of the immortalized peter bell into a basket underneath a tree a yellow tiger is to me if it is nothing more the more really alarming episodes of the road the hoot and whir of a passing motor-car or the loud vibrating hum of a wayside threshing machine were treated with indifference on turning a corner out of a narrow coppice-bordered lane into a wider road that sloped steadily upward in a long stretch of hill elaine saw coming towards her at no great distance a string of yellow-painted vans drawn for the most part by skewbald or speckled horses a certain rakish air about these oncoming road-craft proclaimed them as belonging to a travelling wild-beast show 
decked out in the rich primitive colouring that one's taste in childhood would have insisted on before it had been schooled in the artistic value of dullness it was an unlooked-for and distinctly unwelcome encounter the mare had already commenced a six-fold scrutiny with nostrils eyes and daintily pricked ears one ear made hurried little backward movements to hear what elaine was saying about the eminent niceness and respectability of the approaching caravan but even elaine felt that she would be unable satisfactorily to explain the elephants and camels that would certainly form part of the procession to turn back would seem rather craven and the mare might take fright at the manoeuvre and try to bolt a gate standing ajar at the entrance to a farmyard lane provided a convenient way out of the difficulty as elaine pushed her way through she became aware of a man standing just inside the lane who made a movement forward to open the gate for her thank you i'm just getting out of the way of a wild beast show she explained my mare is tolerant of motors and traction engines but i expect camels hello she broke off recognizing the man as an old acquaintance i heard you had taken rooms in a farmhouse somewhere fancy meeting you in this way in the not very distant days of her little girlhood tom kerryway had been a man to be looked upon with a certain awe and envy indeed the glamour of his roving career would have fired the imagination and wistful desire to do likewise of many young englishmen it seemed to be the grown-up realisation of the games played in dark rooms in winter firelit evenings and the dreams dreamed over favourite books of adventure making vienna his headquarters almost his home he had rambled where he listed through the lands of the near and middle east as leisurely and thoroughly as a tamer soul might explore paris he had wandered through hungarian horse fairs hunted shy crafty beasts on lonely balkan hillsides dropped himself pebble-wise into the stagnant human pool of some bulgarian monastery threaded his way through the strange racial mosaic of salonica listened with amused politeness to the shallow ultra-modern opinions of a voluble editor or lawyer in some wayside russian town or learned wisdom from a chance tavern companion one of the atoms of the busy ant stream of men and merchandise that moves untiringly round the shores of the black sea and far and wide as he might roam he always managed to turn up at frequent intervals at ball and supper and theatre in the gay hauptstadt of the Habsburgs, haunting his favourite cafes and wine vaults skimming through his favourite news sheets greeting old acquaintances and friends from ambassadors down to cobblers in the social scale he seldom talked of his travels but it might be said that his travels talked of him there was an air about him that a german diplomat once summed up in a phrase a man that wolves have sniffed at and then two things happened which he had not mapped out in his route a severe illness shook half the life and all the energy out of him and a heavy money loss brought him almost to the door of destitution with something perhaps of the impulse which drives a stricken animal away from its kind tom kerryway left the haunts where he had known so much happiness and withdrew into the shelter of a secluded farmhouse lodging 
more than ever he became to elaine a hearsay personality and now the chance meeting with the caravan had flung her across the threshold of his retreat what a charming little nook you've got hold of she exclaimed with instinctive politeness and then looked searchingly round and discovered that she had spoken the truth it really was charming the farmhouse had that intensely english look that one seldom sees out of normandy over the whole scene of rickyard garden outbuildings horsepond and orchard brooded that air which seemed rightfully to belong to out-of-the-way farmyards an air of wakeful dreaminess which suggested that here man and beast and bird have got up so early that the rest of the world has never caught them up and never will elaine dismounted and kerryway led the mare round to a little paddock by the side of a great grey barn at the end of the lane they could see the show go past a string of lumbering vans and great striding beasts that seemed to link the vast silences of the desert with the noises and sights and smells the naphtha flares and advertisement hoardings and trampled orange peel of an endless succession of towns you had better let the caravan pass well on its way before you get on the road again said kerryway the smell of the beasts may make your mare nervous and restive going home then he called to a boy who was busy with a hoe amongst some defiantly prosperous weeds to fetch the lady a glass of milk and a piece of currant loaf i don't know when i've seen anything so utterly charming and peaceful said elaine propping herself on a seat that a pear tree had obligingly designed in the fantastic curve of its trunk charming certainly said kerryway but too full of the stress of its own little life struggle to be peaceful since i have lived here i've learnt what i've always suspected that a country farmhouse set away in a world of its own is one of the most wonderful studies of interwoven happenings and tragedies that can be imagined it is like the old chronicles of medieval europe in the days when there was a sort of ordered anarchy between feudal lords and overlords and burgh grafs and mitred abbots and prince bishops robber barons and merchant guilds and electors and so forth all striving and contending and counterplotting and interfering with each other under some vague code of loosely applied rules here one sees it reproduced under one's eyes like a musty page of black letter come to life look at one little section of it the poultry life on the farm villa poultry dull egg machines with records kept of how many ounces of food they eat and how many pennyworths of eggs they lay give you no idea of the wonder life of these farm birds their feuds and jealousies and carefully maintained prerogatives their unsparing tyrannies and persecutions their calculated courage and bravado or sedulously hidden cowardice it might all be some human chapter from the annals of old rhineland or medieval italy and then outside their own bickering wars and hates the grim enemies that come up against them from the woodland the hawk that dashes among the coops like a moss trooper raiding the border knowing well that a charge of shot may tear him to bits any moment and the stoat a creeping slip of brown fur a few inches long intently and unstayably out for blood 
and the hunger-taught master of craft the red fox who has waited perhaps half the afternoon for his chance while the fowls were dusting themselves under the hedge and just as they were turning supperward to the yard one has stopped a moment to give her feathers a final shake and found death springing upon her do you know he continued as elaine fed herself and the mare with morsels of currant loaf i don't think any tragedy in literature that i have ever come across impressed me so much as the first one that i spelled out slowly for myself in words of three letters the bad fox has got the red hen there was something so dramatically complete about it the badness of the fox added to the traditional guile of his race seemed to heighten the horror of the hen's fate and there was such a suggestion of masterful malice about the word got one felt that a countryside in arms would not get that hen away from the bad fox they used to think me a dull reader for not getting on with my lesson but i used to sit and picture to myself the red hen with its wings beating helplessly screeching in terrified protest or perhaps if he had got it by the neck with beak wide agape and silent and eyes staring as it left the farmyard forever i have seen blood spillings and down crushings and abject defeat here and there in my time but the red hen has remained in my mind as the type of helpless tragedy he was silent for a moment as if he were again musing over the three-letter drama that had so dwelt in his childhood's imagination tell me some of the things you have seen in your time was the request that was nearly on elaine's lips but she hastily checked herself and substituted another tell me more about the farm please and he told her of a whole world or rather of several intermingled worlds set apart in this sleepy hollow in the hills of beast lore and wood lore and farm craft at times touching almost on the border of witchcraft passing lightly here not with the probing eagerness of those who know nothing but with the averted glance of those who fear to see too much he told her of those things that slept and those that prowled when the dusk fell of strange hunting cats of the yard swine and the stalled cattle of the farm folk themselves as curious and remote in their way in their ideas and fears and wants and tragedies as the brutes and feathered stock that they tended it seemed to elaine as if the musty store of old-world children's books had been fetched down from some cobwebbed lumber-room and brought to life sitting there in the little paddock grown thickly with tall weeds and rank grasses and shadowed by the weather-beaten old grey barn listening to this chronicle of wonderful things half fanciful half very real she could scarcely believe that a few miles away there was a garden party in full swing with smart frocks and smart conversation fashionable refreshments and fashionable music and a fevered undercurrent of social strivings and snubbings did vienna and the balkan mountains and the black sea seem as remote and hard to believe in she wondered to the man sitting by her side who had discovered or invented this wonderful fairyland was it a true and merciful arrangement of fate and life that the things of the moment thrust out the aftertaste of the things that had been here was one who had held much that was priceless in the hollow of his hand and lost it all 
and he was happy and absorbed and well contented with the little wayside corner of the world into which he had crept and elaine who held so many desirable things in the hollow of her hand could not make up her mind to be even moderately happy she did not even know whether to take this hero of her childhood down from his pedestal or to place him on a higher one on the whole she was inclined to resent rather than approve the idea that ill-health and misfortune could so completely subdue and tame an erstwhile bold and roving spirit the mare was showing signs of delicately hinted impatience the paddock with its teasing insects and very indifferent grazing had not thrust out the image of her own comfortable well-foddered loose-box Elaine divested her habit of some remaining crumbs of bun-loaf and jumped lightly onto her saddle. As she rode slowly down the lane, with Kerryway escorting her as far as its gate, she looked round at what had seemed to her a short while ago just a picturesque old farmyard, a place of beehives and hollyhocks and gabled cart-sheds. Now it was in her eyes a magic city with an undercurrent of reality beneath its magic. "'You are a person to be envied,' she said to Carraway. "'You have created a fairyland, and you are living in it yourself.' "'Envied?' he shot the question out with sudden bitterness. She looked down and saw the wistful misery that had come into his face. "'Once,' he said to her, "'in a German paper, I read a short story about a tame, crippled crane that lived in the park of some small town. I forget what happened in the story, but there was one line that I shall always remember. It was lame. That is why it was tame. He had created a fairyland, but assuredly he was not living in it. End of chapter 8